You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. You are tuned in to Very Loose Women, live on Resonance 104.4 FM, or in your ears via the podcast. In the studio today, we have Soy. Hello. Leo. Hi. And my friend, Sarah Michael-John. Hello. Who is joining us for a discussion on online privacy. We also have Huda, who um, says she doesn't want to speak, but she may. Hello. <laughs> but first, let's start with uh, celebrations and frustrations. So, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So, listeners who were here on the last episode um, will remember my frustration of failing my mock driving test. But I have a, a turnaround today, and that after I failed my mock test last week, my driving instructor um, thinks that I'm ready to do my actual driving test. And was he artificially marking you higher? Because mine did that, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think that the failures were genuine failures on my part. Um, you know, like signalling. Well, you need to do it. Yeah, you need to do that on a roundabout. Um, so yeah, my last lesson, we kind of went through, corrected it, and I drove better. And he was like, "Yeah, I think you should book your book your test." So that, that's um, a huge achievement. Well done. Yeah, that'll come yeah. in maybe a month and a half or so. And uh, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> then we can do very least women on tour. <gasps> oh my yeah. god! Why the hell not? <laughs> Coming to a, a small town near you, a very small upstairs of a pub. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a celebration, Leah? I do. Okay, so I am, as listeners might know, super stingy. But for some reason, there's an area of my life where I will just spend, and that is niche musical instruments so i currently um own a drum kit like an electric electronic drum kit and i bought for 20 pounds i'm still stingy like in the grand scheme of things so they're never expensive ones um but i bought a little yamaha keyboard uh which is like the size of say fingertip to elbow it was a small one and i just can't wait to start playing with it it arrives in about 10 days yeah so i thought i'd celebrate that my yeah, consumerism great. of secondhand musical products Sarah? Um, mine's a bit generic, I guess. I ran the Hackney Half over the weekend and I got a PB by 10 whole seconds. What is a PB? I was going to say that. A PB yeah. is a personal best. It is the fastest you've ever done a certain race. Oh, that's really great. Thank mm. you. Between you and Soila, we've got some uh, genuine achievements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have, uh, it's a celebration and a frustration. Um, wrapped into one so I'm moving house and I was cleaning out like all these papers and I found this piece of paper that had a key to a bitcoin wallet that I had forgotten about from 2014 where one bitcoin coin costs like 200 pounds as opposed to 6,000 pounds these days so I was very excited um, and I was like great I'm gonna I'm gonna be a billionaire <laughs> I'm gonna get chateaus um and luckily, I have a friend, Sarah, who knows how to get into old um, Bitcoin wallets. And so she uh, looked it up for me. And the frustration is not that it had no money in it. <laughs> Negative. It had, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It had the equivalent of about 60p. <laughs> oh, no. It would cost you more money to get it out. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. But it's incredible that it had anything in it 
at all like why did I even what did you spend that on you probably spent it on something really stupid which if you'd kept it you could have bought a house with I know it's those stories isn't it that you kind of bought a pizza over the (laughs) the Silk Road and that's like where all your bitcoins went and now (laughs) now you've only got 60p change left which at the time was probably point six of a pence Mm -hmm. so you You made some money there's some glory in that yeah Yeah. exactly Um, but I think this story brings us on quite nicely to what you do Sarah do you want to give us a quick introduction sure so hi listeners I'm Sarah Micklejohn I'm an associate professor in cryptography and security at University College London in the department of computer science and um, yeah a lot of my research is in the area of privacy and security and increasingly um, over the past I think six years now a lot of it is on this topic of cryptocurrencies. Cool. Um, For my mum, what is uh, cryptocurrency? Great question. So a currency, uh, a cryptocurrency really is just a currency so you can transfer money uh, between different holders of it and Mm. you can also generate new units of monetary supply. The thing that makes it different is that, you know, when you or I transact in pounds or dollars or euros, we're doing it sort of backed by these trusted intermediaries, right? So we have central banks who generate the supplies of these currencies. And uh, I mean, most of our transactions in these currencies are digital, right? It's through our banks and through our credit cards and stuff like that. In Bitcoin, uh, which is kind of the prime example of a cryptocurrency, The point is to do all this without these trusted intermediaries. So the idea is that someone on the other side of the world, just by virtue of running some software on their computer, can sort of receive your coins, you know, even though you live in completely different jurisdictions. Um, And the idea is that there's just sort of a bunch of people on the internet there to sort of bear witness to the fact that this happened and agree, you know, everyone's just sort of collectively agrees that this happens. So this collective agreement produces something called a ledger or sort of the hype word is a, a blockchain, mm-hmm. right? And this is really oh. just, yep. Ledger and blockchain <laughs> are the same thing. Yeah, so the <sighs> blockchain is just like the ledger of cryptocurrency transactions. Ah, oh, okay, because I understood ledger, but blockchain had always been like, oh, that word. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked it up and I still didn't understand. But if someone just told me it's a ledger, I could have just, oh, well. Yeah, so literally it is a chain of blocks and each block contains a sort of set of transactions. And so the whole chain together contain all the transactions. Okay. Wow. So it's all anon- anonymous is what I'm hearing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so obviously when you would transact, right, if we were using our real names or something, then this would be ridiculous because everyone could just see everywhere I'm spending my money. So people don't actually go by their real sort of long-standing identifiers using Bitcoin, they use what are called pseudonyms. And so they do get a property called uh, su- pseudo- pseudo-anonymity or pseudonymity, uh, for short. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is actually quite far, I guess, from privacy as we would actually think about it, and quite far from the idea of anonymity, where no one knows who you are, full stop. Can you explain a little bit about... I always tell my friends that you were the person that... Um, proved that bitcoin transactions were not anonymous and that if you're buying heroin on the internet my friend sarah is going to find out Mm -hmm. and tell the police 
Well, so the idea is that yes, you're using these pseudonyms, but actually the different pseudonyms that you use can be sort of linked together. And um, over time, you can sort of form an image of a user um, according to the different pseudonyms that they use. And this may encompass, you know, hundreds of thousands or, or millions of different pseudonyms mm. that different services or, or in, even individuals can use. So I can't necessarily see you know, who you are, like, oh, you're Sarah, oh, you're Anna, but I can see that you are a user transacting with uh, Silk Road or some other uh, underground marketplace like that. And then I can see that you, that same user, are also interacting with an exchange or a, a bank in sort of Bitcoin terms or another sort of legitimate service. And these legitimate services um, actually do know who you are because you're registered with them. They implement know your customer policies, which means you need to upload a photo ID. You need to upload a proof of residence and all sorts of stuff like that in order to transact. And so they can actually, um, you know, really learn who you are. And someone sort of watching this ledger can link together those different activities and see, oh, that person who's sort of putting money into their account with this legitimate exchange is the same person who, you know, regularly um, every month is putting money into one of these underground marketplaces. Um, and, and thus, yeah, you can get yourself into trouble that way. And are people getting in trouble? Uh, people have gotten into trouble. So a, a lot of these marketplaces, almost every marketplace that has been a big deal has also gotten shut down. And when the when law enforcement shuts them down, they gain access to their records. And um, from those records, they can identify, you know, who are the big players, um, who are the operators, who are the dealers really like running a lot of volume. And, yeah, and they've people, got both sides of the coin at that point. Exactly. They have the ledger showing the sort of transactions surrounding the marketplace and the exchange um, who knows who this person is. And then they have the records of the market showing the kind of internal deals and the stuff naughty like that. things that have been purchased. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys worry about people like Sarah knowing everything that you're doing on the internet? I definitely don't worry about people like Sarah, <laughs> but I do worry about um, people who might be looking for, um, you know, to harm me in some way. And that freaks me out. But even like, not even harm, like I used to be a teacher, I was very concerned uh, of kids like finding out things that I wasn't comfortable, like children knowing, I guess. Um, so it is, it, it, yeah, it is an issue. I, yeah. I remember um, one of the first uh, Very Loose Women kept a pseudonym for the whole time uh, just because anonymity was a concern with her. She was aware that it was being catalogued online and she wasn't comfortable with like A equals B, like going hmm. out there in the world. Yeah. I think my concern comes from what companies know about me and then what they can sell in terms of my information. So. In the wake of the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal, that was really something where I was, I was quite alarmed by that. And I went on Facebook and I removed photos. I kind of, I don't know if that was just after the fact, they've probably already got it saved somewhere and somewhere dark and quiet and <laughs> whatever. But um, They said they destroyed everything. Why don't you believe them? Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so I think in that aspect, I don't like, and you know, when you get in the new kind of GDPR and um, the kind of cookies pop-ups you get when you visit a website, I never like clicking accept because I think, well, I want to, you know, I don't want you to sell. You want to read the TNCs. <laughs> Didn't someone calculate how much time it would take for it to read all the TNCs, like on a day's work on how the much, internet? How much and would it take? 
Um, many hours. Many hours. <laughs> More hours than you have spent online that day, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of time then, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that's where privacy concerns me. There's certain things I don't like to put online. Um, you know, I get very wary of... Uh, specific things. I think also working as a journalist, when I figured out that I could find out certain information about other people, that's when I was like, right, so if I can find this about this person um, and I can get access to like their father's will and their address and all of this kind of their marriage certificate and all of that stuff, I was like, wow, well, that's all public information. But at the same time, I need to make sure I'm on the private electoral register kind of thing. Like, so, um, so, yeah. I know it's also about those things that they're not in aggregate. Those are individual requesting the marriage certificates. They're and they're they're things yeah. that show that you have, um, you know, that you're playing a part in society and 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 it and it's archived through the ages. Like the other a few months ago, I requested my grandparents' ones on my mum's side. And yeah, I mean, there's benefits really great. to them, yeah. but I think that was when I realised right. So this information's out there. It is there about me. What are the things that I can control? Mm. And then I will put those things in place to control it. Yeah. I mean, there's that saying that if you've got nothing to hide, you have nothing to yeah, worry that's about. Crap, mm. isn't it? That's a crap yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Sarah has a, an opinion on that saying for sure. Do you want <laughs> Well, I mean, I think going back to the point you were making about sort of what you can find out you know it's not just about any one platform anymore right it's Mm. like you know I find your Instagram and I see photos of you and your partner and then I google your partner and I find their LinkedIn and then you know I go find that and it's just sort of these levels of creeping (laughs) that can happen and um, yeah I mean I think even if you could say oh I personally have nothing to hide you know there's nothing controversial about me you know, I'm happy to be targeted for any reason, any attribute of myself. Um, I'm happy for people to know and use in advertising. Um, as you said, it's still all about what can you do in the aggregate, right? So if someone can learn, you know, my political leanings based on what I put out there on social media, then again, I might personally be okay with that. But when we're talking about 500 million users, all of a sudden it's not just my individual political leanings. It's sort of using the aggregate political leanings of a society in order to do very scary things like mm-hmm. uh, influencing elections. And I think you know the, the good outcome here is that that has gotten people's attention. Mm-hmm. Because even if you are an individual and you think, oh, privacy is dead, whatever, I don't care. Um, most people do care about these sort of broader societal issues. Mm-hmm. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's nice that you ended on a positive note there because I was like getting some serious like willies before then. And then now it's like, oh, OK, yes, drawing attention to democracy can't be a bad thing. Um, in terms of like just our general, I would call it hygiene, privacy hygiene online. Like, do you have any recommendations? So I think the only recommendation really can be awareness. You know, everyone has to make their own trade-offs, you know, their own decisions about sort of how they how they want to behave. You know, so I don't have Facebook. Um, That's certainly inconvenient sometimes, but it's it's worth it for me. I try to use Signal as much as I can, even though most of my friends are on WhatsApp and most of the groups I'm in are on WhatsApp. Uh, I try to use Firefox, even though, again, Chrome is a lot more convenient in a lot of ways. Um, I try to use DuckDuckGo, even though it's not necessarily the best 
search engine. I try to use Ghostery and other browser extensions that block ad trackers, even though they sometimes break part of the internet、mm. and you have to really fiddle with them. So again, it's all about kind of the sacrifices you want to make for this、uh, for this cause.、Mm. I mean, sorry, you've listed a you know quite a couple of ways there that you can. Try and I guess protect yourself in some ways. Are there any more things that we can do to kind of keep online privacy? I know that like collectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah.、Uh, collectively. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Well, I think I mean to be honest, a lot of it is you know you as an individual making your own choices, and there's not a lot. That can that you can do collectively,、mm. um, aside from opting into sort of privacy conscious tools and、uh, yeah, privacy enhanced technology.、Mm. So even things like VPN and Tor as well. You know, the、mm. more adoption these things get, the sort of better it is for everyone using them.、Mm. I guess there's a just a kind of side discussion that maybe we don't have time for, but kind of the trade off in the future between privacy. And, and kind of what that means, yeah,、mm. because you might have cases where there are people who can afford more levels of I mean, protection and、um, things like that, and so I think that will be an interesting insight into the future. What does that kind of weighing up of I'll give you protection of your online privacy, but in return I want to sell. Um, your data, so that I can, you know, go on and make money. And、Or、in return,、like、you pay for a service. I mean, currently we're not paying for all these services because they're getting money elsewhere. Like, so the the no,、payoff. but no, but the payoff is that they will sell your data. That's the yeah, yeah. That's currently you're not getting money, but you right maybe should be. <laughs> but it, to that point, even right now, if you can afford to pay for subscriptions to newspapers, for as one example,、mm. then your data is not being sold by those newspapers to quite the same degree as. People、mm. that can't afford to have the subscription、yeah. to the、yeah. newspaper,、um, and that certainly is another the fourth estate. Having <laughs> <Yeah> . <laughs> to pay for the fourth estate is a ho- whole different thing. But. <laughs> but speaking of journalism, like there are like journalistic groups、uh, doing things、uh, around data, speci- like particularly, I mean, obviously the Cambridge Analytica story. But、um, uh, in the wake of that, there was also Who Targets Me, which is a Twitter account and a Chrome plugin. I think it might be other browsers now,、um, but it it ag- it. It detects who is advertising to who, and they've actually now, in, in the wake of this election, are putting out. Oh, they've this pe- pe- group of people have spent this much on advertising, which is something that was previously opaque, and also which currently, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's not yet legislated to the point where、uh, it's effective, from what I've understood. Yeah. Coming back to online privacy quickly.、Mm. Um, I wondered if we could quickly talk about some of the more fun ways that people are protecting themselves. Because I know that there are makeup tutorials on YouTube. I used to get really into this of like how to do your makeup so you can't be detected by <gasps> CCTV. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Anna Rose once gave me a, a lovely gift, which was a, a sort of Faraday cage. So a Faraday cage is a way to block signals. Um, so either RFID readers like what you have in your passport or phone signals as well. Is that like when you put your phone in a microwave? Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Or I mean, it's who's、uh, putting their phone in microwaves? <laughs> you want to have a private conversation? Don't you watch any kind of crime drama? <laughs> or actually, a lot of lifts act as Faraday cages.、Oh. That's why when like you get trapped in the lift, you can never you never have signal to call、mm. anyone. Um, so yeah, there's actually these these pockets out,、um, and they I think they sell clothes as well that are lined with sort of metallic thread that acts as a Faraday cage. Wow! So,、um, 
yeah, cute, cute stuff like that. Yeah, I think there was like even a workshop on like they got all the material and you could come and sew your own little like <gasps> phone case and like oh laptop case. I need to I get mean, back into sewing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like a, a very not fun. Um, another case, but there was an artist who um, made anti-drone burkas, and they were burkas wow. made out of material that you can't see from military planes. Wow. Which was an art project, but um, is, is a thing Making that exists. A note yeah. Um, th- yeah. Uh, this was all way back when, but there was mm. an art collective called FAT with lots of Fs in it. It's like FFFFFAT um, and the archive for their website has loads of these kind of interesting projects um, looking at how we can make our lives more private but in a mm. as, yeah. well there is literal protection I mean not that that was in effect sort of with civilians but um, when we talk about privacy like online privacy we're protecting from certain things but that's like, certain, like death it's, it's yeah. just, it just really brings it home yeah. how yeah. like uh, the lack of privacy like with the relationship to even space like the literal space between us is changed because they can see stuff from the sky now, which mm. before was less current. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, very surprising. And I wasn't yeah. expecting this from this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, if someone finds out your address, they can street view you and actually yeah. see what your home looks yeah. like. Which That's is why everyone, when they are on the electoral register, you should tick the box that says, or untick the box that says, go onto the public one so that people don't know your address. That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, Sarah, you had a good tip for using DuckDuckGo as well, because I know that it's quite off-putting for some people, mm. given that it's... Sure, so he- here it is. <laughs> uh, you enter your search query, as usual, and then at the you put a space, and then you add uh, bang G, so exclamation point G. And what that does is it actually routes your query to Google, uh, which I think many people use as a search engine. Um, and you might say, well, why not just use Google in the first place? So DuckDuckGo actually does add some kind of private information. So it goes through sort of encrypted channels. And they also add a random uh, sort of user agent string. So a lot of information is sent when you Google something, not just your query. You know, it's your browser, your location, the language that you're using, and all this kind of a stuff. A street view image of your yeah, house. <laughs> exactly. Your webcam feed. Yeah. <laughs> and DuckDuckGo will sort of um, add random information to that. So they'll say, oh, yeah, um, I'm Italian and, you know, I'm based in. Uh, you know, California right now, and that'll sort of prevent Google from giving you uh, sort of location-specific information and stuff wow. like that. That's a really That's, cool tip. So there's absolutely no excuse for anyone not to be using DuckDuckGo <laughs> as their search engine now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming in, Sarah, and for sharing your research with us. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thanks thank for you. having me. <laughs> You have been listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM. Our podcast is at acast.com slash verylooswomen or Apple or Google Podcast apps, basically anywhere that you'd listen to podcasts. And you can listen to our archive. Um, and don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. And when you rate it, that is how other people find out about it. Uh, this episode was produced by myself, Anna, and pro- uh, co-produced by Sola and Leo with audio engineering by John at Resonance 104.4 FM. You can follow us on Twitter at The LW Radio. You won't be able to find Sarah on Twitter. Um, 
but we're also on Facebook. Um, and you can you can even find the studio on Street View if you want to um, yeah, have public has business. So, have yeah. a look at where we are or send us mail. Um, oh my gosh! Please send us posts. <laughs> I'm so desperate for as, any posts. It's the least creepy way to. Mm make use of all our private information oh yeah sorry (laughs) respectful post nice post (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to play out to a song called Watch Me by Anani Um, it's a terribly creepy song um, but it humorously romanticises the notion of a surveillance state Um, so I hope you listen to it and if you're on the podcast um, search for it because it is worth, worth a listen